Hello, gentle listener, and welcome to Michael and Ethan in a room with scotch, except this month we're both in two separate rooms and we're not drinking scotch. That's right. I said that all in one breath to force Michael to create an even longer act. Because you know he will. Uh, it's hard enough as it is. I mean, already the way you pronounce our ac- acronym is kind of like a cat in heat. So, <laughs> oh, that might be the. Wow! I now that you say that, I can see it. Yep. But it might be the most horrifying metaphor we've come up with. <laughs> also, I uh, I put my video window or my audio window down so I could see your face, except there was a lag, and then. Like, while you were apparently speaking, you were making the cat in heat face, and long story short, uh, the recording window is back up, blocking most of your face. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I don't want to see your stupid face either. Okay, so, I, I know you always get on me for not understanding that podcasts don't come out on cassette tapes, but <laughs> just because, you know what, never, never mind. It's it's fine. It's fine. We're all <laughs> fine here. We're fine now here. How are you? I'm good. I'm Michael, by the way. <laughs> Hi, Michael. I'm Ethan. <laughs> I guess I, like, decided I should host this episode, and I've been doing a real bang-up job so far. Just uh, kind of co-opted it, and look, what, look where that got us. <laughs> uh, hi, gentle listener. I'm Ethan, and this is Michael. Yep, Introduce that's me. yourself, Michael. Oh, thank you. I, I did. I, I know. I'll just be talking over all the things you say. Because that's what the host gets to do. The host uh, has absolute power of life and death. Except not death, because there's only one person you could kill and then this podcast would be over. So, um, yep. But life. Anyway. Uh, this sure. is our... Should we Should we call it our moving special as well as our homework special yeah it's a it's a it's a double it's a pair it's a synthesis yeah so michael is moving so we couldn't really kind of get together for our regularly scheduled program but we've had these specials we've wanted to start doing and sort of seed throughout the the year anyway so uh this you're right it's it became sort of a synthesis it all it all matched up in sort of a mystical alignment of the the moon and the sun yeah. and the solar system uh and my battery is running low and i may want to plug my laptop in so <laughs> i'm gonna do, do that. that and then we're gonna see if we can like put together any kind of a coherent episode i'll be right back if we can salvage this <laughs> So you've gotten your power of life back. I have. I have. I was sick unto death, um, but now I have plugged in my battery. I mean, I'm human. I'm a human and not a robot who runs on batteries. Uh, so What's great is the audio on my end of your speaking just kind of glitched a little bit as you said that. So <laughs> definitely not helping your case. Yeah, I'm human. That's something humans say um humans say that all the time (laughs) humans often refer to themselves as humans yes and and to other humans as fellow humans (laughs) yes 
Okay, so... Oh, what are we even doing? Uh, well... This, this is what happens when we don't have a script. We got seven minutes in and are already questioning if we can salvage this, so here we go. <laughs> so, gentle listener, all two of you who are still with us, uh, we wanted to do this homework special, um... And we're going to do a second one after this, so, like, you're not going to get back to your regularly scheduled good content for a while. (laughs) Good? Good content? Yeah, I was going to try to power through having said that and just, you know, pretend that the other stuff was good and this was an exception, but you've killed that illusion, Michael. No. All right. Yeah, I know. So... This is our homework special. Uh, this was an idea that we had that seems to have coalesced from like s- like several different directions, but um, we wanted to kind of take typically assigned homework for like college and and uh, like intro to lit studies type courses in college or like English lit in high school and see if we could uh, make it a little bit more fun than you know. <laughs> um your your average college class uh so we make no promises but that's that's going to be our attempt tonight so right um first up should go ahead should we uh plug too that if you have if you are currently in an english course either high school or college i guess middle school too they do that i you know. kind of hope you're not listening to this podcast if you're in middle school, if you're in middle like, school what are you yeah. listening to a podcast about two old guys drinking scotch for but you know <laughs> on the other hand hey, who am you I know to what? Judge? maybe a middle schooler went and searched like Something about a wrinkle in time and found our podcast that way. Yeah, if that happened, we're sorry. Anyway, if you uh, are currently taking an English course or have taken an English course and would like to share some of your homework, or if you want help on your homework, I put help in strong air quotes. Yeah, I can can see Uh, that flirting around the edges uh, of my recording window. Uh, go ahead and send that to us. <laughs> uh, send us your homework assignment, uh, and and we'll we'll see if we can take a crack at it. Maybe it'll feature into one of our episodes. A um, couple ways to do that, and we'll bring up these contact methods later. But uh, there's a form on our website now. Uh, if you go to tapestryradio.org, uh, I think it's slash room with scotch. Tapestryradio.org slash room with scotch. Sounds right. Um, then uh, right there, towards the top of the page, there's a form you can fill that all out and give us your uh, your homework assignment, and that'll come straight to us and be put into a magical spreadsheet so that we can keep track of it. Or uh, you can tweet at us, at Room with Scotch, uh, or find us on Facebook and uh, uh, the Tapestry Radio Tap House uh, group on Facebook uh, and uh, send us your homework that way. Uh, and basically what we're doing now, uh, which is taking homework assigned pieces of literature and making it more fun um and more interesting and and more like something that we like um (laughs) we will do that with your homework yeah and you know let 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 us emphasize we will not help you get a good grade in your class no like no don't nor do we condone plagiarism yeah don't just take a transcript of an episode of our podcast and turn that in as your essay okay you know what not though? only is that plagiarism but it will also get you a guaranteed f <laughs> yeah no i was gonna say you know what do that actually like we <laughs> dare you just transcribe our episode turn it in word for word and your uh your teacher will write on your page like 
even regardless of of the the clear plagiarism that your teacher will see, your teacher will yep. stop short of that and just write on your paper, why do you have all these idiotic digressions about scotch and <laughs> and also whether podcasts are recorded on cassette tapes? Like <laughs> that actually could be super entertaining for everyone except uh, for you. Um, it could be. You know what? Do that. Turn in a transcript of one of our episodes to an English class. Get that grade back in all the red pen. Do teachers still use red pen nowadays? Oh, I'm yeah, so absolutely. I've, Good. I've seen... Get, get it back with red pen on it. Sell it to us. I will buy it from you. Okay, and gentle listener, I would like to emphasize, Michael will buy it from you. <laughs> This is it, not a promise be, of sale it has endorsed to be actually by. Actually graded by your teacher. I need to be able to verify it, so I need your teacher's email address. Yeah, and we're gonna go ahead and let you and measurements. Take Michael's email address. Me- wait, measurements. <laughs> what? 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 What are you? I, what are we talking about? I'm really not sure anymore. What's our homework assignment no this time clue. around, Ethan? Uh. <laughs> Well, first of all, I do still want to emphasize Michael is promising this sale on his own power and not on behalf of Tapestry Radio Network or any of its affiliated shows or this show. Um, <laughs> uh, but with that said, I encourage you to take him up on this offer. Uh, our homework assignment this time is a classic one. Uh, we're going to be doing some of Shakespeare's sonnets. Woohoo! So, uh, we thought this was still commonly enough assigned. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. Um, of course, Shakespeare wrote 154 sonnets. Many of them garbage, utter garbage, garbage crap. Um, but many of them <laughs> quite good. Uh, so we thought we'd pick out some of what we think are the better ones, along with, just for fun, uh... Some of the the ones that Shakespeare wrote as garbage crap on purpose to give him full credit, um, right? And we'll introduce those a little later uh, when we get there. But for the moment, uh, class, take your book of Shakespeare's sonnets and definitely not your laptop that Ethan Quick pulled these up on at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> um, you're gonna want to mark sonnet 18. Uh, Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Mm-hmm. Uh, sonnet 130, Sonnet 138, When My Love Swears That She Is Made of Truth, and Sonnet 141, uh, In Faith I Do Not Love Thee With Mine Eyes. Uh, so those are your sonnets. Now, Shakespeare's sonnets were just numbered in the original publication. Uh, these titles are all just the first line of the sonnet. Yeah. Um, sometimes used because it's easier to do that than to... Uh, just think of right. think of them by number, um, and that's a super traditional way of titling poetry too. Yeah, it's just the first line. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, e. Cummings, for example, didn't title any of his poems, but they get referred to by the first line as title all the time. And Emily Dickinson. Oh yeah. Too. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's even the the Psalms are sometimes treated that way. Oh sure, yeah the. Psalms, which in the Bible obviously are numbered, um, yep. but yeah, they get they get titled by probably the most famous one being uh, "The Lord is My Shepherd," which is Psalm twenty three, yep. but it's often just called that first line of that psalm. So yep. yeah, 
Um, Shakespeare sonnets, of course, uh, not published by Shakespeare on purpose. Uh, he apparently wrote his sonnets just as sort of a fun game to share with friends. And so the, the 154 sonnets that we have uh, were published during his lifetime, but as I understand, I don't think he consented for them to be published. But in those <laughs> days, they didn't have these pesky rules of, like, copyright or like uh intellectual property or anything like that so you could pretty much publish whatever really you wanted and stupid laws attribute so annoying yeah yeah you know um you could you could publish whatever you wanted and attribute it to whoever you wanted pretty much like the internet today except uh you could do it in real life um right so Wait, the internet isn't real life Oh, we're not going to get into this Gnostic crap right now. Uh, <laughs> young man, you've wasted Fair too enough. much of our class's time. We're uh, uh, something, something we need to do these poems. Oh, though I should ask you, Michael, should we yeah. run through the rules real quick? Oh, yeah, we should. Um, get your wife in there. Yeah, Karen, come here. Karen, what are the rules? Rule one. Once the scotch is poured and the glasses clink, the scotch must not be mentioned at any time. If anyone mentions it, they lose. Rule two. No one's mother should be mentioned in any pejorative sense or any other sense not directly indicated by the text of the book being discussed. If any mothers are mentioned, the mentioner loses. Rule three. Ethan must never say the phrase, first paragraph. If he does, he loses. Rule 4. Michael must never say the words vampire, vampiric, or any derivative thereof. If he does, he loses. Rule 5. If anyone has to use the bathroom during an episode, he or she loses. However, this should not stop anyone from doing so because this podcast is anti-UTI. And what happens if someone breaks the rules? If one person breaks a rule, they receive a punishment in the form of a verbal stunt chosen by the person who did not break the rule. All that being said, everyone, drink responsibly. Yeah, Ethan. Yeah, Michael. Gentle Gentle listener. Well, thank you, Karen. But Uh, we're not drinking scotch! But we aren't drinking scotch, so we're going to modify that rule, even though Karen did just read it here and you'd think she could have modified it for us, but... That's She's the kind lazy. of consideration she has. Um, <laughs> don't worry, that'll be coming right out of her paycheck. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. But what are we drinking? What are we drinking, Michael? What are you drinking? I am drinking a beer. It is the Johnny Blood Red uh, Irish style red ale from Titletown Brewing in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Oh, interesting. Uh, yes, it is a a, a very Amber, red, uh, Irish ale. Um, uh, kind of your quintessential Irish red. I found it because it was on sale uh, a little... Well, I shouldn't say I found it. I've had it before and really liked it. And so I bought it again, especially because I found it on sale at Quick Trip uh, uh. after St. Patrick's Day. Because they had bought an overabundance of anything that had the name Irish upon it. Yeah. Uh, and so... Uh, it, they dropped down the price after, uh, St. Patrick's Day, and so I got myself a six-pack of that. Very good. So, uh, there it is. I'm drinking that. Uh, I thought, uh, when we originally planned this, that I might drink a cocktail or something. 
Yeah, um, I had been thinking but, of doing that myself, but I'm also not. Yeah, I'm not drinking a cocktail largely because all of our liquor is packed in boxes now. Oh. <laughs> As of today, we packed those away in boxes, and then I thought, oh, I was going to drink some of that. Yeah, I was going to say, it. it seems like pretty poor planning on someone's part. Yeah, well, we kind of went in a frenzy of packing today earlier in the day, and uh, so... That happens. Anything that wasn't nailed down is in a box. <laughs> The Michael Including the dog story. and cats. Oh, wow. That's... Boxes somewhere. I hope you poked holes in the boxes, at least. <laughs> I'll tell you when I find those boxes. Oh, <laughs> uh, Good. Well, uh, yeah, I was going to say, you know, packing the liquor away seemed like poor planning on someone's part, and by that I did mean Sarah. Yeah, um, she yeah. she who... was the, the pioneer in packing the liquor. But... Yeah. Oh, I see. It's... I see. Yeah. Wow. Well, so... Gentle listener, welcome to the special where Michael and Ethan rag on their wives and end up sleeping on the couch for ages. Don't act like that doesn't happen every night. Yeah, also every episode. <laughs> Especially the ones where our wives are on them. It's true. It's it true. We get in a lot of trouble. Uh, yeah, but, you know, that's our middle name, which is why we're looking at sonnets. Oh, I should tell you what I'm drinking, though. We'll yes, look we at, at sonnets one of these days. Um, right. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> be patient class <laughs> yeah settle down so, yeah i'm I, talking I about see beer that. right now i see that yeah you i i know you are super bored by all this because like you don't get to drink beer because you're a high school literature class and i do because i'm the teacher which is definitely how high school classes work uh absolutely but you know i am an adult i am an adult i have earned this right so just settle right down while i tell you about my beer my beer is Rift India Pale Ale from Central Waters Brewing. Uh, A a six-pack of this appeared in my fridge semi-recently. And I'm not, I'm just really not sure who the source of it was, but I sort of smelling it and looking at it, I think it was given to me by someone evil? (laughs) <laughs> is the sense i get like just sort of white waves of pure evil wafting off of it um so i'm not sure what that's about but like they can't be too evil because they left me beer so that's true here we my are my wife does refer to ipas however as skunk beer oh so. <laughs> uh, well you know she's wrong um yeah it's true yeah tell you what i'll i'll call I, your I, wife wrong and you call my wife wrong and we'll both stay out of trouble Yep, that's true. That's that's how marriage works. <laughs> Alright, so I'm gonna uncap my beer. Michael, are you uncapped? I, I, I've been drinking this beer for a little while now. Wow! So. Wow! Alright, you get an F. I'm the teacher this time, so you get an Aww. F. Let's see if that's the last F you earn. Probably won't be. Alright, well, let's say we'll, we'll uh, do a salute here, and then the Rules kick in after that, even though some jerkwads regained. That's true. <laughs> uh, and Slancha. Lechayim. Hmm. All right. Tell me more about Shakespeare's sonnets, Ethan. Michael, yeah. shall I compare thee to a summer's day? No, probably not. Oh, probably not. No, that's probably, uh, yeah. Uh, do we want to read through this one quick? Just since we're They're here so short. It's... Let's do it. Yeah. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. 
Rough winds do shake the darling buds of May, and summer's lease hath all too short a day. Sometime too hot the eye of heaven shines, and often is his gold complexion dimmed, and every fair from fair sometimes declines, by chance or nature's changing course untrimmed. But thy eternal summer shall not fade, nor lose possession of that fair thou owest, nor shall death brag thou wanderest in his shade, when in eternal lines to time thou growest. So long as men can breathe or eyes can see, so long lives this, and this gives life to thee. All right, Michael. I think this is a crap poem. I think this is just garbage. (laughs) Convince me otherwise. It's so cute! Is that Uh, all you got? Yeah, that's it. That's all I wanted to say. (laughs) Um, What, uh... You'll you'll find this in a lot of sonnets, uh, mm-hmm. the uh, a, a theme of nature and comparison to nature. Sure, um, and not just Shakespeare's sonnets, right? Uh, but uh, uh, oh, I was thinking of an example earlier of uh, another sonnet that's uh, that's um... anyway. That's not the point. But uh, nature it features uh, quite strongly in in sonnets. Um, but uh, what Shakespeare does interestingly in this one is he takes that sort of trope of uh, a love poem, a sonnet comparing a lover to nature, and he inverts it and turns this into an anti-simile, uh, starting uh. it off by, with that concept of uh, comparison. Oh, you're like a, you're like the sun. Your, your lips are like the flowers. You're, you know, uh, you can think of the song of Solomon where it talks about uh, the, the teeth like, um, Oh, what are the teeth like? I can't remember, but then the, all I remember uh, the, is that the hair like is the rolling like the, hills with the goats on them and stuff. And yeah, and that, you know. that her hair was like a friggin' flock of goats or something. Yep, yep, yep. All that yeah. uh, comparison of the lover to something in nature. And here Shakespeare says, "Should I do that? Should I? Should I compare you to nature?" And then he goes off and does the opposite and says how the lover is not like nature. Uh, yeah, and, and that's maybe sort of an inversion that we don't think about because this poem gets so sort of uh just tossed around as like the quintessential love poem or whatever yeah it's so romanticized Um, yeah but you know in in like what your sort of common conception of this quintessential love poem you you do think of the lover getting compared to nature because that's probably what every other love poem at the time was was doing exactly yeah Um, precisely that yeah so this is this is sort of a way for shakespeare to sort of uh, you know, you can think of it as as almost a literary one-upsmanship. Yes. Um, you know, like Shakespeare does a similar thing in As You Like It that we did for our Shakespeare special last mm-hmm. year, where at one point Rosalind says something about like pastoral romances and and how like the romance in them is so unrealistic. Yep. It's like. You know, it's like it's like in a in a movie when they say, "What do you? Why would you even say that? It's not like we're in a movie." <laughs> yes exactly like that <laughs> uh, just that little bit of meta stuff um, right the thing about this poem though it like it, it does have a little bit of that meta nature to it and sure. shakespeare's one-upmanship in that like saying all these other poems do this to their lovers like compare them to something in nature right uh i'm not going to do that and he calls attention to that by saying what sets his lover apart is his poem right his poem is what gives value to his lover here is, right is what ultimately it comes down to because 
ultimately, what makes uh, the, the summer day uh, not as good is that it changes and it goes away. And it's right. done. But right. the lover is eternal. He says, thy eternal summer shall not fade nor lose possession of that fair thou owest, nor shall death brag thou wanderest in his shade. Which, that's, that's really the point where you see death can't brag that it, got, it has you, even though, if you're a student of philosophy, you know that all men die. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, death can't brag that this person is owned by death, however, because... In eternal lines to time thou growest. So long as men can right. breathe or eyes can see. So the, the life of this lover exists as long as anybody lives. As long as anybody's alive. This lover is still alive. It is eternal. So long lives this. This poem. And this. Right. This poem gives life to thee. So and that's, It's another one of the those like. Those sort of brags. And those you know. Which is a solid literary tradition. Uh, that you can find everywhere from like modern rap battles back yeah. down to like the inferno you know dante's in the mm -hmm. inferno says like this is gonna this this poem is gonna last i don't know what the actual quote is but it's basically that it's gonna last forever that it's gonna that it right. is a great work and it's gonna last forever and yeah similarly here um and it it almost to me uh tables one of those great like English class discussions, like how many hours get spent, especially in like a freshman literature course in college, pondering about who the the uh, the fair youth and the dark lady are. Yep. You know, and and obviously it's Martha from Doctor Who. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, it's a question time solved from the twenty first century. Come on, guys. Yeah, yeah. Keep up. Uh, <laughs> But you know, because because uh, and and there's there's maybe some legitimacy to that question, but ultimately, right here in the poem, he's saying it's not about them. It's yep, not exactly. about the inspiration. It's, it's, about, it's about the poem. Yeah, it's about the poem. It's very meta. Uh, yep. Which you know, just and... leads me to can I can I give my thesis on all of Shakespeare's sonnets? Everything we're going to talk about with Shakespeare's sonnets here. Yeah, please. We here's, can wrap up the my, episode that much. Here's later. my thesis. Shakespeare is a freaking goober. <laughs> and I declare all of Shakespeare's scholarship over. <laughs> Done. Done. <laughs> Shakespeare's a goober. <laughs> um, no, and we'll, we'll come across this too, but like this one is, is milder in comparison to the others that we're going to come to. Yeah. Um, but uh, they're full of complisults. Really, <laughs> right. whoever he's talking to, he's complimenting them while backhandedly insulting them. Or right. no, that's a, it's a backhanded compliment. So you know he's insulting them while he's complimenting them. Right. Either way, in really. all of these sonnets, like I, 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 obviously we didn't read the entire body of 154 sonnets. Right. Um, but the ones we read, they're all backhanded compliments. Sure. And he's just being a goober. And in that, he's, he's again, calling attention to the fact it's not about whoever I'm talking about. It's about the poetry right. itself, which right. you brought up uh, initially anyway, that Shakespeare didn't necessarily write these to be published. He wrote them as fun things with his friends. Right. The, the sonnet form was almost, in a way, was almost like a parlor game. Yeah, uh, a, a, a limerick so, sort of. You know, yeah, think yeah. Of, think Except of a limerick. A, it's, it's a joke. sort of much more intellectual, artistically complex limerick. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 an intellectual complex joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In a very 
in a very real sense. I, as you were talking about it too, and maybe this is just uh, you know both of us being in a liturgical uh, church tradition and coming out of Lent fairly recently, <laughs> but there's almost a Lenten like psalmic uh, idea here of you know the that that like psalmic idea of like men are but grass that that sure. uh, you know get get cut down with the changing of the seasons or. I probably just like goofed up th- three different psalmic references there, but uh, one was Isaiah. It's okay. Okay, yeah, of course it was Isaiah. Um, <laughs> I just sometimes All I feel like is their cross. Oh yeah, duh. Yeah. yeah. No, I was just gonna say sometimes I feel like the only book of the Bible I ever read is Isaiah. Um, I mean, if you read the Bible any part, you're probably gonna come across Isaiah. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, that's true. Um. So yeah, but but that that like Old Testament prophet idea of, you know, if I compare you to nature, that's like, yeah, you, do you really like? Have you thought through? Uh-huh. If you want me to do this, <laughs> it's interesting. I have a couple other things, thoughts, Go but ahead. I think they'll come up in our next sonnet. So if you don't want to, or if, if you have any other thoughts on this one before we move on, I'll. No, that's uh, well. I guess um, maybe. Coming a- a- along with that Lenten sort of uh, theme, that uh, that penitence yeah. and uh, memento mori idea, um, the what this if you set aside the idea that this is a joke, it becomes right. an epitaph. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it you don't even necessarily have to set aside the the joke idea. Sure, no, it it it, it can turn into a very sort of. Uh, Kind of dark humor, you know. Oh yeah, like very much sort of a gallows humor joke. Yeah, if, if it yeah. Is a joke. Like you're dead, and therefore you can't be compared to summer because you're dead, right. and therefore I've made you eternal in this epitaph written upon your tombstone. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Or you know, or even if you think of, because you always think of sonnets as like the way Hollywood portrays them, of like a poem you write to then read passionately to your lover. Right. Um, and or what I can't how imagine Love's was lost depicts. Yeah, songs. yeah, absolutely. That's going to say in a scene I can't imagine ever not being awkward when people tried it in real life. Um, yep. Yep. But uh, now I forgot what I was gonna gonna say. About, oh, but if if you think of it that way, you think of it as being read to some actual lover. Um, it almost sounds even more like an epitaph. It sounds like him saying, "You're gonna." you're gonna die like and this is probably what i'll inscribe on your grave yep <laughs> which you know when you kind of put it that way it's kind of cool you can think right. of this being put on someone's tombstone this would be right. a really cool poem to just have on a tombstone yeah no absolutely um you know and you if you think of it that way it takes on almost an ozymandias ish kind yeah. of a connotation like imagine seeing this on a tombstone that's like once was standing but is so old that it's fallen down and like the earth has sort of grown around it and one of the ones that uh, thomas hardy propped up against his tree yeah the tree exactly. has since grown around exactly but you could look just that see one this. up english students <laughs> thomas uh, hardy's tree yeah do it um anyway yeah no uh it's very valid uh yeah anything else on sonnet 18 no let's move on all right class we have a bunch more sonnets to get through, and we've used up almost half our time. So we're uh, 
cruising here. We're using time as efficiently as you've come to expect from this podcast. Which, if that were true, we wouldn't have spent all that time talking about the transition and how we're actually using our time wisely. You mean we would have just transitioned and like not wasted more time on this conversation? This one that we're having right now? If we were actually good at this, we would have just moved on. Fortunately, we've never claimed to be good at this, so we're uh, we're safe there. We Um, make no promises, therefore we disappoint no one! (laughs) Which really should be just the motto of this podcast. (laughs) Um... All right. Sonnet 130, I think, is a good follow-up to this one. Yes. Um, when I have actually taught, you know, Shakespeare's sonnets in a classroom, I often sort of like to read these two back-to-back uh, mm-hmm. for reasons that I think will become apparent. Um, but before we get into that, Mr. Lilienthal, would you like to uh, read this one for us? Certainly. All right. Sonnet 130. My mistress' eyes are nothing like the sun. Coral is far more red than her lips red. If snow be white, why, then her breasts are done. If hairs be wires, black wires grow on her head. I have seen roses damasked red and white, but no such roses see I in her cheeks. And in some perfumes is there more delight than in the breath that from my mistress reeks. I love to hear her speak, yet well I know that music hath a far more pleasing sound. I grant I never saw a goddess go. My mistress, when she walks, treads on the ground. And yet, by heaven, I think my love as rare as any she belied with false compare. Thank you. Yep. Uh, For aspirating your H's in the 21st century, you do get a second F, but uh, (laughs) other than that, it was very good. Um... You leave so, my aspirated W's out of it. Yeah, aspirating your W's is what I should have said, isn't it? Um, well, W-H's. W-H's. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an aspirated H. You can, eh, whatever. Yeah, so there. So I was right, and you shouldn't have made me second-guess myself. Uh, anyway. That's the whole point. That's everything I've ever tried to do is just to make you second-guess yourself. I know, and it's worked so well. <laughs> um... So before this conversation gets any darker, I'm going to power on through and say that this is almost the reverse of everything we said about the last sonnet. Um, and I, I confess to a little bit of like disappointment at, uh, stemming from when I first discovered the sonnet at the age of like probably 12 or 13. Um and just you know adoring all of the the anti-love poetry imagery that goes on right (laughs) and you know on the surface level it really is a funny sonnet but i was always disappointed by that last couplet where he Mm -hmm. just he goes sweet again yeah he does (laughs) um i will maintain however it is still a backhanded compliment like it is still all like you're not great. You're really not. But I love you. <laughs> sure. Um uh it like what it what it honestly reminds me of is uh a song by Three Days Grace. Okay. <laughs> Defend that statement. <laughs> well, the 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 line specifically in this song and I'm trying to remember the exact name of the song itself, but the line goes, "I hate everything about you. Why do I love you?" Uh-huh. I see. 
that and like you know sung much more ragey of course yeah but that's that's essentially it like none of you none of nothing about you is impressive why the heck do i love you i i do i love you that's right (laughs) um there's a billy joel song i think that's along similar lines too that's i can't remember the the name of it but um basically it's a similar thing where he's just like yeah you're not you know that smart and you're not that like pretty but like i'd rather have have you this way than like you know someone who would like be more complicated to be with kind of thing. <laughs> um and I, th- I think that song is definitely sort of being an unreliable narrator on purpose um sure so uh so on the other hand with sonnet 130 though like if if shall I compare thee to a summer's day is on the surface level very much sort of a complimentary sonnet that has this lurking backhandedness mm-hmm. to it, I would almost say that sonnet one thirty here is on the surface level backhanded. Yeah. Um, but on a on a deeper level is almost more complimentary. Um, yeah. Because if you think if you take say the reverse of all of the imagery that and you know the reverse of the imagery in this sonnet is very typical love sonnet imagery right mm-hmm. like uh, my mistress' eyes are like the sun her lips are red as coral her breasts are snowy white you know um, mm-hmm. uh, all of that it's it's very much like a a made up doll like image that is mm-hmm. almost sort of insulting like it's almost you know turning the lover into this this into a barbie inan- doll yeah this this beautiful inanimate object, object. yeah a sexy lamp yeah exactly it's a sexy lamp and you know uh i know you always get in trouble when you uh try to call shakespeare a feminist writer but um <laughs> you know it, it is almost like he's addressing some of the modern sort of feminist critiques of like powerful beautiful women as being just completely unrealistic and be, therefore just as problematic as any other you know po- problematic portrayal of a of a woman um and sort of where he ends up with that last couplet is to say i'm not gonna lie about you like would you mm-hmm. not prefer an honest relationship over one that like pretends to a to a beauty that we both know is false yeah and and, like i think that's honestly what uh what ultimately justifies this poem Uh in itself is if it exists within an established rapport like this can't be the first poem you woo a lover with Mm -hmm. this is more like we've had these conversations we've talked about how we're realists yeah that's (laughs) that's very fair um yeah, in a sense, this this strikes one as almost a much more like twenty years of marriage type poem. Exactly. It's this is this is a poem about a matured love. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not a young love. I, I guess it could still be a young love, but like not a fresh. Yeah, definitely a couple people who've been around the block a couple times. Yeah. Seen seen some seen some stuff. As yeah, it they, were, they've seen things. They, yeah. they, they know what the world is about. <laughs> right. Um, one other thing I want to mention uh, that we see in these first two sonnets, and glancing ahead at the other two, 
is not there as much, but it, it's the the nature imagery that you pointed out um, mm-hmm. in the last one. I read a book last year, or the year before, uh, by Caroline Spurgeon that's just called Shakespeare's Imagery and What It Tells Us, um, and it's a fascinating book if you like really dry, uber scholarly books about Shakespeare. Um, where she takes all of Shakespeare's plays, she doesn't do the sonnets, but she does the the plays, and just literally catalogs every single piece of imagery used mm. in each of the plays, and then sort of, after that, sort of slices it and dices it and, you know, uh, cuts it up in, in various ways to show what it, try to show what it tells, or try to determine what it tells us. Mm-hmm. Um and one thing that she notes, and she, you know, does the same thing with with Marlowe and Thomas Kidd and some of the other sort of contemporary playwrights. And one thing she notes is that, you know, Shakespeare is obviously solidly middle class. Um, and he he uh, grew up in sort of a country setting and compared to uh, his contemporaries like Marlowe and, and Kidd um, and some of the uh, Ben Johnson, you know, these guys were all aristocrats or at least upper class. Um, and their imagery is much less sort of nature oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you pay attention to some of that, including in sonnets like these two, you get this, this picture of someone who at least as a, as a young man spent a lot of time just messing around in the woods and, you know, going on, on walks in nature sure yeah just looking at the familiar imagery he uses yeah interesting yeah i'm gonna have to find that book and read it yeah i think i i got kind of a crappy copy and i (laughs) kind of read it to death but if it's in a usable piece i can definitely loan you mine i was just looking at it on amazon and there's nothing except like the paperback is going for forty bucks. Oh no, there's used copies that oh, okay. are claimed. Okay, there are some. Last time I looked on Amazon, there weren't a whole lot of cheap used copies, but it looks like you can get it for seven or eight bucks. All so, right, that's yeah. There you go. If you want your cool. own copy, either way. Uh, yeah. All right. So, should we move on? Let's let's move on. Sonnet one thirty eight or sonnet one forty one. Let's do 138. All right. I mean, I'm the teacher. We're doing 138, definitely. (laughs) It's okay for a teacher to ask for input from the class. No, the teacher must have a firm hand, and for suggesting that it was okay to ask for input, you get your third F of the day. Aww. (laughs) Um, So, actually, we could do an interesting exercise with this poem. Mm -hmm. Um... Michael, your copy, what is uh, what is the last line in your copy? And in our faults by lies we flattered be. Okay. Um, so what we're going to do is just like a quick side-by-side here because there are actually two versions of this poem, and that's fairly <laughs> rare for Shakespeare. Um, because there was a, a oh. book of his poetry, I think it was unauthorized, but it was published much earlier than the complete sonnets that were published in 1609. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's called The Passionate Pilgrim, and I think 
it was like a few of Shakespeare's good sonnets and a bunch of bad ones stolen from Love's Labor's Lost and other bad ones that Shakespeare didn't even write. Um, and for some reason, Shakespeare seems not to have been thrilled with this book. But um, And also, he didn't make any money off, so that probably probably didn't help. Um, I don't think that was a factor. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm clearly, clearly uh, making things up here. Um, I think it was all a dream. <laughs> How did you manage to have that theory about the sonnets? That's even worse than that theory usually is. Um, whatever. You gave me an opening. Whatever. I'm going to splice all the podcast tapes of this episode <laughs> so that they don't have that theory in them. Because the podcasts are released on tapes, Michael. <laughs> Think what you want. <laughs> it's all a dream anyway. Uh, all right. So, I'm going to go ahead and do the Passionate Pilgrim, and then Michael, if you want to okay. do the the version that you have in front of you after that. Right. So, the first seems to be about ten years earlier version. When my love swears that she is made of truth, I do believe her, though I know she lies, that she might think me some untutored youth, unskillful in the world's false forgeries. Thus vainly thinking that she thinks me young, Although I know my years be past the best, I, smiling, credit her false-speaking tongue, outfacing faults in love with love's ill rest. But wherefore, says my love, that she is young, and wherefore say not I that I am old? O oh, love's best habit is a soothing tongue, and age in love loves not to have years told. Therefore I'll lie with love and love with me, since that our faults in love thus smothered be. Cool. All, All right. right. My version of 138. My version. Yes. This is the version of Michael Ilienthal. That's quite a claim, but uh, <laughs> go on. <laughs> when my love swears that she is made of truth, I do believe her, though I know she lies, that she might think me some untutored youth, unlearned in the world's false subtleties. Thus, vainly thinking that she thinks me young, although she knows my days are past the best, simply I credit her false speaking tongue. On both sides, thus, is simple truth suppressed. But wherefore says she not she is unjust, and wherefore say not I that I am old? Oh, love's best habit is in seeming trust, and age in love loves not to have years told. Therefore I lie with her and she with me, and in our faults by lies we flattered be. Very good. So, Michael, what, uh, what jumps out at you in comparing these two? this way honestly i don't know like there are a couple different things where i I, i'm trying to think which one's better (laughs) Uh um the the passionate pilgrim version has uh, a few instances of some more um alliteration uh the world's false forgeries versus subtleties sure and forgeries itself there sounds a little bit better since a lot of this is about falsehood and lies um rather than subtleties which still works um but I I don't know. Subtleties also seems a little more subtle. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it does, literally. It literally does what it says. Yep. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, I I think, ultimately, I have to come down on being... Um, uh, the Passionate Pilgrim being the uh, the less fine of the two. Yeah. Um, and this... part of that is... 
the uh, again the subtleties come out with the the falsehood and the the uh unjustness in this yeah um, believing things but knowing other way otherwise right <laughs> uh somehow having that uh that double think in there right uh comes out a little bit more in the uh the published non passionate pilgrim version sure um yeah i think i think the the later one you can tell that shakespeare is just a better writer of p- poetry of of you know a line um yeah i think it's a little bit easier to read to be honest there were a couple yeah. of bits where i was i was stumbling in a way that you sort of shouldn't stumble ideally in in a poem your, your reader shouldn't um right and i am going to credit that to you know the faults in one of the greatest writers of the english language rather than my own um, uh, <laughs> my own faults um obviously it's shakespeare's fault yeah it you know it usually is um <laughs> i also do think uh and the i think i think i'm stealing the point i'm about to make from the book that first um showed me this this connection which is called a year in the life of william shakespeare uh by james shapiro which i read uh, sometime in the last year and it's a just a fantastic book if you like sort of the history and the um uh, mm-hmm. literary criticism like if you sort of enjoy having both of those things smashed together it's it's really good but um he points out that the later version is much less self-righteous um which i mm-hmm. think losing self-righteousness often comes with is, is sort of a sign of age and maturity um and if you look at the two questions um uh within each each respective version of the poem mm-hmm. um i think that comes out uh uh pretty pretty i don't know pretty obviously i guess um so you know this is this is obviously a poem about two lovers lying to each other right mm-hmm. um so in the in the passionate pilgrim version he says but wherefore says my love that she is young, and wherefore say not I that I am old? Uh, and then in the in the revised version, the, the collected sonnets version, but wherefore says she not she is unjust, and wherefore say not I that I am old? Um, so I guess that you know that second line is is still technically the same, but mm-hmm. uh, in connection with that first question, it kind of takes on a new shade of meaning, a new subtlety um you know in the 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 passionate pilgrim version he it's almost accusatory right it's accusatory at uh-huh. the at the lover and in the later version it's almost just as accusatory at himself there's there's a much greater sort of humility pa- there part of that comes out with the negative particle there there's no negative particle yes. in uh, in the first one oh you're uh, right yes like the the published the, the the collected version says wherefore says she not so she's not saying something yeah it's a sin of omission which is far easier to overlook than a sin of commission. Right. She is saying something false in The Pil- uh, Passionate Pilgrim. Yeah, you're right. In the collected version, she's just not saying something true. Right, absolutely. Um, and I think even you could say the first two lines have one subtle change that that brings out that difference as well. Um, because in the, in the Passionate Pilgrim... When my love swears that she is made of truth, I do believe her. And then in parentheses, though I know she lies, which is this like mm. nudge wink, like I'm in, I'm, I'm onto her. I'm, I'm in on her. it. I'm in on it. Yeah. Um, 
And then in the new one, it's the exact same line, but no parentheses. That the it's mm. the same thought. Um, there's just a comma at the end of that second line. Um, sure. I do believe her, though I know she lies, which almost again makes him more complicit. It's it's yeah. much yeah. more the the thought of you know I uh, I'm participating in this. I'm allowing this to go on. And and it um, gives the, the, the lover credit, too, that she also knows that everything's a lie. They both know. They're yeah. both in on it. They both know everything's false, but they're going with it. Again, it's very similar to what you point out in uh, in the, the last one we did, Sonnet 130. It's it's a much more seasoned sort of, sort of mm-hmm. a romance. Like, this is, again, not one you write in the first flush of, of new love. Um, mm-hmm. And then that's, again, tied together in the, the last two couplets. Therefore, I'll lie with love and love with me, so that sense that you know, our faults in love thus smothered be. Which again, it's, it doesn't flow as well for one thing, but yeah. um, also it's very different from therefore I'll lie with her and she with me, and in our faults by lies we flattered be. Right. So first of all, which... obviously there's a sex pun in there. Therefore, I'll yep. lie with her. Um, yep. Spoiler which... alert: Shakespeare is full Actually... of sex puns, children. <laughs> yes, Shakespeare is full of sex puns. And I think the sex pun is actually the point of this sonnet. Yeah, yeah. Like it's all about we're just going to we're going to lie to each other and we're going to be false with each other, but we're going to do all of that just for the sake of our physical attraction. Or at the very least for the sake of, you know, uh, having this relationship rather than nothing. Right, yeah. like it, it, you know, the the physical attraction argument is very strong, but it could just be, in addition to that, like I'd rather have this like lying, you know, um, dance of uh, uh, of of truth and lies and mostly lies than like <laughs> not be with her or, or be by myself. Um, yep. But you know, and then in our faults by lies we flattered be. So it's it's this like like you said, double think of knowing the truth, but allowing yourself to be flattered by the lie. Yep. Yep. It's forcing life to be bearable for yourself, more or less. Yeah, yeah, in a sense. You know, probably not the healthiest thing, but once again, um, that last couplet is much more humble than our faults in love (laughs) thus smothered be. There's, again, that almost accusatory tone Yep. You can see a, a teenage boy who, like, wants to break up with his girlfriend anyway, just accusing her of smothering him because it's a convenient out. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah. More complaining about the the love and the state of it rather than saying, no, this is how it is and this is how it works. And not only this is how it is, but, like, I'm complicit in this being how it yep. is. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I'm sure there's a lot more we could say about that one. That's, like just a really fascinating sonnet that um, it really is we could almost alzebo soup our way through it and probably just spend an hour on it um, probably but we have uh one more to do and then we can probably just throw those uh love's labor's lost sonnets in quick uh yeah we can we can chat about those real quick i think but yeah so sonnet 141 uh, yep do you want to uh grace us Certainly I do. Very good, very good. I think good. that's the second time I said certainly in it this is. podcast. And I've just been hoping you won't read in a like sort of bad Bugs Bunny, Mel Blanc kind of thing, and you <laughs> haven't so far, so I'm hoping that trend continues. 
See, now I'm trying to think if I can. <laughs> you can't. Spoiler alert. Though, am I goading you and now you have to try? No. Just, you, just you are. Read no, the sonnet or you'll get your third F. The fourth F? Okay, I've lost fine. track of how many Fs you have. I, I only have one. Do you? <laughs> yes. Okay. Of course. Okay. Sonnet 141. <laughs> In faith, I do not love thee with mine eyes, for they in thee a thousand errors note. But tis my heart that loves what they despise, who in despite of you is pleased to to dote. Nor are mine ears with thy tongue's tune delighted, nor tender feeling to base touches prone, nor taste, nor smell, desire to be invited to any sensual feast with thee alone. But my five wits, nor my five senses, can dissuade one foolish heart from serving thee, who leaves unswayed the likeness of a man, thy proud heart's slave and vassal wretch to be. Only by plague thus far I count my gain, that she that makes me sin awards me pain. Wow. So, like, just all all uh, the gloves right right off on this one, huh? Yep, uh, what we had there in uh, 130, I think, Yeah. Um, is is really, um, yeah, ungloved. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, very much, uh, if I may share an anecdote, I know of a, uh, a certain couple that I should leave unnamed, okay. uh, wherein the, uh, the husband said to the wife, and I quote, You're not pretty, so I must love you. Wow. That's what this reminds me of. yep yeah i can see that and i'm just getting over that that like at a certain point uh and in our faults by lies we flattered b has a great deal of wisdom to it and i think (laughs) just the moment before that comment is that point yep (laughs) just stop Stop. (laughs) um Mayday! Mayday! <laughs> right, fail out, fail out. Uh, okay, I'm over that. Maybe I'm not. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. In a sense, this is this is Sonnet 130, but like with the humor stripped away and much more of the the bitterness showing. Yeah. Um. It seems a little more serious and intense. Yeah. I, but even still, it's go ahead. it's also poking fun. It's also like I just can't stand your presence. Yeah. Um honestly if 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 I think of this um if I as I read through this poem what I'm picturing is uh the uh the addressee of this sonnet is a prostitute. Ah. Uh, interesting. Especially when you get back to um well the very last line not even just the yeah. last couplet the very last line that she that makes me sin awards me pain uh, how this sonnet ultimately comes out is this guy has a burdened conscience over visiting a prostitute and how he comes to terms with it is she's not a pretty prostitute <laughs> so she's causing me as much pain as joy so i'm doing my penance in the midst of doing my sin and I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be a prostitute, for that matter. Um, you know, no. this could just be an illicit affair. Um, and other than that, you could say all the same things that you just said. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, either, either I think either one works really. Yeah. Um, I, I was just inter- sort of finding it interesting that you know, back at um, shall I compare thee? You said that we would find nature imagery in all of these sonnets, and I think this is the only one where that's completely not true. Um, it's it's huh. there's there's really no nature imagery in it. Um, which I think is part of unless unless you want to make a case for a plague. <laughs> I yeah, I mean you could, but that's that's a stretch. Yeah, and that's still not like a tree or sunlight or what you'd think of as part of the natural world. Yeah. Um. In fact, the plague being being there almost just drives home even farther this this idea that it's it's almost a very sort of austere, very sort of dark sonnet. There's no um yeah. recourse to the natural world to to lighten it and to escape this sense of of foreboding yeah no it, and it is very very dark and uh, well and how it accomplishes that darkness is it blinds all five senses right yeah there's there's very much like a turning inward just in general between yeah. the the nature the lack of nature imagery um the the blinding of the senses which is pretty well sort of sort of uh anatomized there nor taste nor smell um mm-hmm. you know that's yeah uh my I, five wits nor my five senses and yeah it just like sums it all up like i'm just i don't like looking hearing smelling tasting touching any part of you but <laughs> there's something that just draws me there yep and like that's what he calls the heart and that's that that you know elizabethan idea for for um what we'd call the part of the body that leads in death right the the yep. thing that's um the pneuma the yeah. ruach yeah the exactly. spirit the soul whatever um yeah and uh you know it's it's interesting carrying over from the the later version of 138 there is still this sense of responsibility right it's like there's sure. you sort of said a wryness or there, you could you could argue probably for a very sort of dark gallows humor that um yeah even more even darker than than a couple of these other ones um you know that that uh that's there um but yeah it's very sort of sort of the idea of being trapped in your body i keep getting the sense that like mid-century like existentialist novelists and and playwrights <laughs> would really like this poem um sure or even someone like flaubert who was was in fact yeah. obsessed with prostitutes and the idea of prostitution and you know um yeah that's yeah uh mm-hmm. so yeah there you are uh for any any gentle gentle uh listeners who are in school in one sense or the other if you get to pick a sonnet and you want to just bring down the mood in the class pick 141 absolutely it depresses everyone yeah yeah for sure it's i I, i'm not sure i can go on with the show i just gotta sit here and stew in this let's lighten the mood a little bit by going to love's labor's lost all right you are you are you good was there anything you wanted to I think I've exhausted everything I feel like I want to say about 141. All right. It will just make me sad to go on. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Okay.
no, yeah, we wanted to. We're we're just about at time ish here, but we did want to throw in Love's Labor's Lost real quick, just because um, there's some just great sonnetry going on in this play, um, and it's just one of those things that Shakespeare was even more of a master of the English language because not only could he write great sonnets. And not only did he write some bad sonnets, like some of the 154 are are kind of failures to launch, but he could also write really entertaining bad sonnets, really good bad right. sonnets. Um, yeah, I think I think you said what William McGonagall did by accident, Shakespeare can do on purpose. Yeah, which is a just almost an impossible task. Like there have been William McGonagall contests over the years, um, you know people trying to write hilariously bad poetry and no one seems to have quite been able to do it the way William McGonagall did it. Like you can always tell it's someone on purpose having a laugh or writing a bad poem. Um, But I think Shakespeare maybe reaches for it here. Uh, If like, if anyone can do it, it's, it's Shakespeare, which obviously Mm -hmm. is pretty much always true, but there we are. (laughs) Right. Um, Just, just, for those of you who haven't read Love's Labor's Lost, um, like me, it's a it's a play about four uh, men, four or five men. Um, at the beginning of the play, they've decided to sort of become what you could almost call secular monks. Like they sign this pact that they're going to refrain from like red meats and um, uh, like pleasure, basically, and they're going to devote all their and only sleep three hours a night and they're going to devote all their time to like study and discipline and self-improvement it's like the worst parts of the vegan movement combined with the worst parts of the catholic monastic movement um (laughs) and now that i've offended both of those very litigious groups in my last few hours of life uh i would like to say that in fact within the first scene of act one of this play that whole plan goes right out the window um, largely due to the visit to this house of five, uh, I believe they're princesses, or at least sort of aristocrats, who the five men, of course, fall right in love with them and make complete idiots of themselves, uh, you know, trying to court these women who just, like, have their number from the word go. Uh, it's a, it's, it's, it's not a real plot-heavy play, but just the the writing in it is some of Shakespeare's best, and, like, Shakespeare, you know, was Shakespeare. Like, everything he wrote was literally Shakespearean. (laughs) Um, So, in this scene that we're looking at, which is uh, from Love's Labor's Lost, Act 4, Scene 3, the men have written sonnets to the women. And Mm -hmm. these men are very, like, you know, like I said, they're very earnest. But that's really about it. Um, So there's a couple that I want to go through quick, but... Michael, if you don't mind, I'm going to read Longavelle's sonnet. um, Go right ahead. That he writes to his love. So, uh, here we go. Did not the heavenly rhetoric of thine eye, against whom the world cannot hold argument, persuade my heart to this false perjury? Vows for thee, broke, deserve not punishment. A woman I forswore, but I will prove, thou being a goddess, I forswore not thee. My vow was earthly, thou a heavenly love. Thy grace being gained cures all disgrace in me. Vows are but breath, and breath a vapor is. Then thou, fair sun, which on my earth dost shine, exhalest this vapor vow, in thee it is. If broken, then, it is no fault of mine. If by me broke, 
What fool is not so wise to lose an oath to win a paradise? Ah, <laughs> so bad, right? And it's so bad on so many levels. But the one I want to yep. mention quickly: Did not the heavenly rhetoric of thine eye? What is that? <laughs> yep, <laughs> he's saying her eyes have some sort of rhetoric in them, which doesn't make sense, and that the rhetoric is heavenly, which also doesn't make sense. Yep. Some sort of logic argument yes. is being made by her eyes. Which he Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which he then continues, against whom the world cannot hold argument. So, yep. like, the argument that's in your eyes, no one can argue with it. Which is true, because doesn't make any sense in the first place exactly what, what's what's marvelous about this sonnet is he 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 tries to be so rational about it he tries to yes. keep all of the the aristotelian categories straight and everything and try to be so rhetorical and and straightforward i mean you can see it's as far as rhetoric goes it's masterfully constructed yes absolutely <laughs> because uh well i agreed not to fall in love with a woman you're a goddess therefore i'm not falling in right. love with a woman and that's that's <laughs> like why the sonnet as a whole is just such garbage because yep. it, that argument as a whole doesn't make any sense yep yep um oh it's so good <laughs> and then i do like i want to follow up with that third line uh did not the heavenly rhetoric of thine eye da, 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 persuade my heart to this false perjury Number one, uh, perjury is inherently false, so that's redundant. Um, yep. <laughs> number two, did finish the sentence and bring that metaphor home. It was just a, a broken home that had nothing to give it. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, oh, do you want to do one of the other ones? Uh, yes, I want to compare that to uh, the sonnet by uh, Ferdinand the King, okay. uh, which actually comes a little bit earlier. Yes. Um. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll read that one right now, starting around line 22. So sweet a kiss the golden sun gives not to those fresh morning drops upon the rose, as thy eye beams when their fresh rays have smote the night of dew that on my cheeks down flows. <laughs> Nor shines the silver moon one half so bright through the transparent bosom of the deep as doth thy face through tears of mine give light. Thou shinest in every tear that I do weep, no drop but as a coach doth carry thee. So writest thou triumphing in my woe. Do but behold the tears that swell in me, and they thy glory through my grief will show. But do not love thyself, and thou wilt keep my tears for glasses, and still make me weep. O queen of queens, how far dost thou excel? No thought can think, nor tongue of mortal tell. How shall she know my griefs? I'll drop the paper. <laughs> oh no I, I kept going after the sonnet that's okay yeah that's that's okay you couldn't tell anyway no you really you really couldn't i Which think actually that's that's like an ancillary point here right that shakespeare is writing this whole play in verse right and somehow manages to fit verse of bad poetry in there <laughs> right. surrounded by the good verse anyway um, um and i think this this one was the one that made me say this is like him doing william mcgonagall on purpose Oh my gosh, it's so what, oh, it's I, so bad. I think it's partly because like if you try to follow the meter, like if this is the the poem you bring to your to your English class <laughs> for like your scanning assignment, you will yep. cry, and your English teacher will cry, and everybody else will cry also. Um, Absolutely, just because yep. it's, it's um... it it just jumps out of the meter in so many different ways. Oh man, you know Shakespeare was a master of meter, and this shows that because he knows all the ways that it can go wrong. Can I also point out something poetically bad that it does? Yes. It, Please. Uh, so, like, 
something uh i i forget which of my professors phrased it this way but poetry is the master of brevity uh-huh yes uh so you you get in good poetry, you get a big concept to fit in a small space. One line or pair of lines, you get the whole concept there. And you've got it. Right. It's done. All right. Right. Continue on. Get the rest of the poem out. This can't do that, this poem, because it's it, it, it takes this idea of I'm so full of grief because I love you, but I can't have you. But then that grief, like, just permeates everything. And it's the tears are repeated how many times? Yeah, right, right, right. It's like, we got that image already. Move on. Right, <laughs> But it, it can't get the brevity idea in there. Right. Um, and one reason I wanted to read this one in comparison with Longueville's, which which points out Shakespeare's mastery in this, is uh, Longueville takes the tack of being a very rational, uh, full of rhetoric sort of poem. Yes. It, it, it's, it's an argument. He, he's making an argument here yes, in yes. his poem. Uh, Ferdinand, the king, his argument is all just overflowing emotion, and I can't. I can't handle all this overflowing right. emotion and need to somehow put it into verse and it's not working. <laughs> which is why when, you know, amateur poets, of which I think you and I both have been <laughs> some, um, yes. when they do try to write from overflowing emotion, like you think all of the books want you to do, it always right. goes very badly. And this is very why. Badly. Because, yeah. you know, you need that focus. Like the, the older I get, the more, both for poetry and prose, but especially poetry, um, the more I agree with uh, Wordsworth, who said, you know, poetry is is emotion recalled in in stillness, or however that goes. Yep. yep. Um, you know, you need that stillness to distill the emotion. Uh, yeah. And not to just free write as you're having the emotion. Yep. Um, but the fact that Shakespeare could simulate that and make it funny yep. is just amazing. Brilliant. Yeah. All right. Um, should we read the third sonnet in this uh, in this scene? And then uh, I, I don't think we even need to say anything about it. It's sure. so obvious. We can just add or end rather on this. Uh, sonnet by Dumaine. Is it on a day of lack the day? Yep. All right. I don't even know if this is a sonnet. In fact, I don't it, think it is. I, I I don't know. No, it's technically oh, it's not, not a sonnet. My stage directions couple, though says it is a sonnet. It calls it a sonnet all in right. the stage directions, which is I think hilarious. Yeah. He, <laughs> right. Like he tries to write a sonnet and winds up with ten couplets. <laughs> right. <laughs> do you uh, do you want to do it? Sure. Go for it. Because it's hilarious. All right, Dumaine's. Uh, sonnet with heavy air quotes <laughs> on a day alack the day love whose month is ever may spied a blossom passing fair playing in the wanton air through the velvet leaves the wind all unseen can passage find that the lover sick to death wish himself the heaven's breath air quoth he thy cheeks may blow air would i might triumph so but alack my hand is sworn ne'er to pluck thee from thy thorn vow alack for youth unmeet youth so apt to pluck a sweet do not call it sin in me that i am forsworn for thee thou for whom jove would swear juno but an ethiop were and deny himself for jove turning mortal for thy love and there you have it very good I would, I, I mean, I mean good in a very loose, loose language-violating sense, um, <laughs> as is only appropriate for the moment. 
Yeah, it's just silliness and nonsense. Yes, yes. That's all that is. Very good. All right. Uh, Well, class, you get an A, except for Michael, who gets four Fs. Um, And that's going to do it for our first uh, homework special. Woohoo! Thank you for listening, gentle listener, all two of you who have listened this far, if that many. (laughs) And uh, we will be with you again in a couple weeks with part two of our homework special, or our second homework special, however that goes. Um, If you want to read ahead for that, uh, we are reading The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock by T.S. Eliot. Um, You can find that online or probably in almost any collection of Eliot's poems. Um, So go ahead and read that. If you want to get jump-started on our next book, that's The Ocean at the End of the Lane by Neil Gaiman. Uh, We'll be reading that for the month of May. Uh, And in the meantime, join the discussion. Uh, As Michael said, we have a special place, right, to submit homework. Um, So if you want to let us have a crack at your homework assignment, again, we will not promise to do it well or take it seriously or give you any useful material, but it might be fun. Um, (laughs) send Send it to us there. Uh, Basically, we just want to be back in college again, so we yeah. want to do all of your homework. So. Yeah, except not in a way that will get you credit <laughs> or expelled for plagiarism. Um, right. Not right. because we care about you, but because we're lazy. Uh, exactly. So, yeah, feel free to do that, <laughs> or join the discussion in, in whatever other uh, context. Um, uh, yeah, Twitter, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Facebook uh, Tapestry group. Radio, Tap House, yeah. Yeah, um, any any way you want to tweet at us or talk at us, uh, yeah, feel free to do that. Go ahead and listen to our other shows, uh, Intermission, our audio drama podcast on tapestryradio.org, where you found this show, unless you got it in any of the numerous other ways to get it. Um, and also Pokemon Rollout, the uh, Pokemon... United Tabletop RPG Podcast. That's, uh, yep. Did I miss anything? Um, well, you can, uh, you, you've got the other shows. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at M-G-L-I-L-I-E-N-T-H-A-L. I am at Bjartlett, uh, B-J-A-R-T-L-E-T-T. Uh, yeah. I guess I write, I guess I write a, uh, a webcomic, um, pinporterdetective.com. Uh, updating pretty much weekly. Um, if you like fairy tales or noir detective stories, uh, you you might enjoy that comic. And yep. until then, we'll see you next time here in our podcast that has no visual whatsoever. <laughs> okay, we love you. Bye bye. Bye.
Obscurantism and obfuscation. Orally observed, gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Obviated objects of oblivion. Obambulating about. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. In the Tapestry Radio Network. Tapestryradio.org. From From our our fancy fancy to to yours. yours.